We are in a series of messages called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And uh, I just want to invite you to kind of dive into all that's going on with this. Um, there's a book that Jensen Franklin wrote called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And uh, he is going to cover some amazing things in this book that are going to be so helpful. And then we are covering things on Sundays that uh, are not in this book uh, or their expansion of what's in this book. And, uh, and then we also have a bunch of uh, small groups that are meeting that are working through this material together. And, you know, I think sometimes when church... When we're in a season, whatever that season is, if it's a prayer season or it's a season like this, it's, it's kind of like when uh, the waters would be stirred in John chapter 5 and the people would get in when the angel stirred the water and healing would come. And they've just been praying and, and asking the Lord to, um, to heal our hearts uh, so that we could rise up and do everything he's called us to do, both as a church and as individuals. So uh, can I just encourage you not just to come to church on Sunday, uh, but to dive in and become a part of the family. Uh, this isn't, I think what we do may appear as a good show, but uh, the, the truth is it's about family. It's about finding your home. It's about putting your roots down. And we're Teresa telling her story. Uh, so I just want to encourage you, you know, wherever you're at in the journey uh, of your walk with God, maybe you've been around for so long that you just kind of have grown distanced from it, but I'm encouraging you to dive in and become part of everything that is uh, happening around here in this season. You know, I, I'm, I'm convinced that, that the, the power of love, uh, as Huey Lewis told us, um, is, a, is a powerful thing. <laughs> um, but uh, I, 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 I really think that, that, that love is one of the greatest powers, if not the greatest power in the universe. Uh, love is the glue that holds people together. Uh, love keeps a marriage together. Uh, love keeps families together. Love keeps friendships together. Love keeps churches together. And if there was ever a need for us to, to, uh, to come together, uh, we need it in our culture today when there's so much division that's going on in our culture. Uh, so so lo love is an incredible, powerful force that, that helps all of us. I, I believe love is the motivator uh, behind a lot of the great heroic things that have happened in the world. Uh, people will do incredible things out of a heart of love. They'll, they'll go help people when they've had uh, issues with hurricanes. The love has built hospitals. Love has built churches. Uh, love has done so many incredible things. And the truth is, God actually uh, describes himself. I love Greg's thoughts as we were getting ready to, uh, to honor the Lord with tithe and offering. But the Bible says God is love. Right, First John 4 uh, says, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So love is not just an idea, it's not just an emotion, uh, it's not just a concept, um, it literally is a divine flow. And when you get in the flow of love, um, you are getting into what God is all about. Generally speaking, I think we would categorize uh, thinking as a function of 
your mind and love as a function of our heart. And, and I don't think we can, you know, technically spread those too much apart because you do have to have the right kind of thinking, and they all impact each other in such an incredible way. The way you think is so powerful, but the condition of your heart is really important. And to be able to think right, to be able to love right is a pretty powerful thing. And as all of us are journeying through life, um, our hearts can get shut down. Uh, our hearts can get hurt. Um, there's all kinds of things that can take place in our life that makes our heart shut down. And, and when, we, when our hearts shut down, the greatest power, the greatest force, the greatest thing that we could bring to the table, love, gets shut down. So this whole uh, series of messages, which we're about halfway through right now, is all about don't let the hurts that happen to all of us um, shut our heart down so that we are missing the God factor in our life. You know, one of the things that we teach a lot around here uh, is Proverbs 4.23. Watch over your heart with all diligence because from your heart flow the springs of life. But one translation could be from your heart flow the issues of life. So you got issues. Come on. One of them is being able to be honest in church. You got issues. And they're all flowing out of your heart. Life is not happening to you. Life is happening through you. And it's what your heart is full of that will eventually become what your life is full of. And so when, when your heart gets hurt, and it will, it, it, can, it can shut down your life. It can shut down the boundaries. It can shrink your life. And what can happen for a lot of people is they're just going through the motions without really loving their spouse. They're married, they're in the same house, they don't really love each other, they're just hanging out together. They're roommates. I had that in my notes for first service, uh, I know you don't need that. Uh, we can get to a place where we're just, our hearts are shut down and we're not loving our friends, we're not loving our church, we just go to it. We don't really love it. Uh, we're not loving our life. Just kind of going through the motions. We're not loving ourselves. Just hard on ourselves. Always taking, tearing ourselves down and talking bad about ourselves. And we don't love it. And, we don't, and, and the truth is, sometimes we can just stop loving God. You keep doing the Christian thing, but... Do you really love God? I mean, like, do you want, do you have a hunger for being in his presence? Do you have a hunger and a thirst for his word? And do you love to get up in the morning? And I realize there's a discipline to it, but just spend time with Jesus, you know? Are you just going through the motions? And all I'm saying is our, our hearts can get hurt and things can shut down. And the love component of our life 
is, becomes uh, less and less a factor. We're not loving anything. We're just going through the motions of life. And today, I, I want to talk about when disappointment comes. Because I think that's one of the things that can enter into all of our life. Everybody's going to face a disappointment at some stage of life, at, at some um, event of life. And uh, disappointment comes and it can, it can shut your heart down. Disappointment's often built out of unmet expectations. You hoped your career would go this way, but it went that way. You hoped uh, your marriage would go this way, but it went that way. You hoped the financial situation of your life would go this way, but it went that way. You hoped your kids would go this way, but they went that way. Unmet expectations. And and what I want to drill down on for us today for a few moments is not if, but when life disappoints and when people disappoint and even when God seems to disappoint, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to keep loving God. I'm going to encourage you to keep loving your life. Like, I'm going to encourage you to keep loving people. Don't get an attitude about people. I'm going to encourage you to keep loving yourself. If loving you is wrong, <laughs> I, I don't want to be right. Come on, don't make me sing. Uh, and you know, uh, here's what I know. When you really love something, you treat it different. You know, you just, if you, if you really love that girl, you're going to treat her different. If you really love your church, you're going to treat it different. If you really love your life, you're going to treat it different. So I want to look at a guy that had experienced a pretty significant day of disappointment and how he journeyed through it and how he, how he processed it. And I want to look at, uh, at David in the Old Testament. And this is a story where David and his men have been out to war. They've won a victory. They're coming home. They're thinking, all right, we're going to celebrate. It's going to be a party. Our team won. Come on. And they return, and, and we'll pick up this story, 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. It happened uh, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag, and they'd overthrown Ziklag, and they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, but they carried them off, and they went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had all been taken captive. Disappointing day. Just so we know, uh, because you need to know that the story moves into a great place. Because they all show up, they find, they weep. They, uh, they all get mad at David, 
uh, David encourages himself in the Lord. They all start to seek God because of that. God says, go take it back. And they go recover it all and more. And I just want to say, everybody's going to face some kind of disappointment, some kind of season of disappointment, some day of disappointment. But what if the next chapter, past your day of disappointment, actually is your greatest chapter? What if God has something planned for the next chapter that is more powerful than all the previous chapters put together? Somebody say amen. Disappointment will get you stuck in the middle of Nowhereville. Disappointment will have you, no, don't go there yet. Disappointment will get you stuck in the middle of Nowhereville. Ziklag is an in-between place. They, David got a, a prophecy in Bethlehem. He's headed towards being a king in Jerusalem. But right now, he's living in Ziklag. He's been there for a year, four months, and he's not only is he living in an in-between place, but everything that he had is stolen from him while he's in the in-between place. Come on. You just go like, hey, God, I thought you said this, but now it's that. And, and disappointment will strand you between your prophecy and your destiny. Disappointment will, you know the word that came to your heart. You know the sense of direction about your future. And David did. He knew he was going to be the king. But here he is, stuck between his prophecy and his destiny. He was 15 when he got the prophecy. And how many of you know when you're 15, you think you got it all together? You think you know more than your parents? You think you know more than your teachers? You think you got it all together? And I'm sure he's thinking this this. I'm going to be the king, is living big in his heart, and all of a sudden, now, Ziklag, he's 29 years old. 29 is not that old, but 14 years is a long time to wait. You ever had to wait for 14 years for anything? Come on, you go to McDonald's, well, you don't go, but you know people that do, and order your hamburger, and if it's not ready by the time you get to the window, you go, what is wrong with it? You go to Wendy's, and you order yourself a chicken sandwich, and they say, pull over to the side so we can cook it. It's like, dang, I wasn't up for all that. I just, we just, we're ready for it to happen 
right now. The 14 years, that's a long time to wait for anything. And you, you can't control the times and you can't control the seasons. You, you can't pull on the leaves and make the tree grow. And there's always going to be seasons of having to wait. But I'm here today to try to encourage many of us, don't allow yourself to just get stuck in Ziklag when God's promised you Jerusalem. Don't, don't get stuck in Nowhereville because you got disappointed. Like you're the only person that's ever been disappointed. You got to know that you can still, don't, you, don't settle in and say, oh my gosh, this is just my life. The city's burned down, everything's stolen, everybody is against me, everybody's <laughs> mad at me. And you can get, get settled into that place in your heart, in your mind, in your outlook. It's just an in-between place. It, you got to get some perspective and go, okay, I'm not where I used to be. I'm certainly not where I want to be, but here I am. And I would say, we look at 2018, here, we're the end of the third quarter here, 2018. So 2018 for you might have been a great year where you gain a lot of ground, but there's still more ground to take. And 2018 might be a year where you said, this year sucked. Excuse my French, but... This year was terrible. And I'm just here to, today to encourage you to remember your victories. Remember God's goodness. <laughs> Come on. Re re rem remember that you still got a, a, something on your life. Rem there are people that need you. To step into your next season. They, there are people that need you to not get stuck right here, right now. So, so look around and stay grateful for what you have, right? <laughs> stay grateful for where you are and how far you come. And remember, remember that God's faithful to keep his promise. Remember the moments of light, the moments of illumination. But remember, we need you. We need you to not get stuck in your disappointment. There's people that are going to be reached because you kept going forward. There's still people to reach. There's still victories to win. Come on, there, there, there's still promises to claim. We got, we got 92 days left in 2018. You could lose 20 pounds. Not that you need to, but you could still, you could still grow as a person. Come on, you can still increase. 
You're still, you're still breathing, right? You can still move forward in life. Don't let disappointment shut your heart down. So here they are, and they're having a bad day. The enemy has stolen everything, stolen their family, stolen their stuff. And the Bible says they all start weeping. 1 Samuel 34, uh, verse 4 says, David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept till there was no strength in them to weep. You ever had one of those days? I bet you have. And I just want to say, it's okay to feel the pain. It's okay to grieve. As a matter of fact, grieving is appropriate. And sometimes to try to stuff your feelings is not a good thing. Sometimes to just try to ignore your feelings is not really a good thing. Try to suppress those feelings, not really a good thing. But to let your life forever be ruled by your feelings is not a good thing at all. And I just want to say, wrong feelings are going to cause you to make some wrong decisions. A realization that I have is, you know, on the scale of thinking, feeling, I would probably lean into the thinking side more. But here's what I know is so true. Even somebody like me, that some of you are like me and some of you have more on the feeling side, I have recognized that most of my decisions are based on my feelings and then I try to build a rationale for why that was a good decision. So, can you hear what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you got in the the new car, and it smelled so good, and all the little techie things, and you had the feelings, oh, I think Jesus wants me to have this car, and the feeling part of you, and then you go, well, you know what, $973 a month, I can handle that, I can do that, there's a way, I'll just, I'll just Oh, Jehovah Jireh. It'll happen. Right? Somebody hurt your feelings in church, and all of a sudden you're building a rationale for why church is terrible. It's because your feelings led you in to building a dumb rationale. We've all done it. And I'm just saying it's okay and probably a good thing, weep for a season. But at some point, come on, we need you to get back up again. We need you to encourage yourself. We, need, we just need you to give it another go. Go after life again. You know, I think what can happen when we, when we have a zigzag day, a zigzag season, is we start inviting people over to, for, to our zigzag pity party. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's like nothing has ever served well with a zigzag pity party. But I just want to invite you to my zigzag pity party because 
just so you know, the theme, like the girls had a 90s theme Friday night. Uh, but we're going to, let's all have a, let's have a zigzag pity party and let's, let's just focus in on how they did me so wrong. Or, or, or come to my zigzag pity party because we're going to talk about how terrible my job is. Or come to my zigzag party and we're going we're gonna to have a pity party. I'm going to talk about how awful my wife is. How awful my husband is. How, how awful my kids are. How awful my parents. How awful. Oh, I got, I got one. Let's all, let's all come to the Ziklag pity party and let's just, let's just build a party about Asheville is so hard to live in. You're never going to move forward. It's so easy to settle into Nowhereville, to settle into the day of disappointment, to settle in to your zigzag. So the story goes on, and uh, let me pick this up right here. It's 1 Samuel 30, verse 5. David's two wives have been taken captive. He names his wives. Verse 6 says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. Now, this wasn't recreational. This, <laughs> it's not legal here yet to so just hang on. The people spoke of stoning him for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Come on. So it's not David's fault that everything got stolen, but everybody turns on David. This is the same group. Remember this. A few chapters earlier, 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to David. He became captain over them. Now there's about 400 men with him. So here all this, this group of people, they were broke, busted, disgusted. They were in debt. They were discouraged. They were discontented. And David gets his leadership hands on them, and he, he leads them out of it. Now they're winning victories, and they're doing all kinds of great stuff. And then Ziklag shows up. It often seems that the people you help the most turn on you. And I've, I've come to realize this. It's not always easy even to remember when it's happening. But I realize that when people choose betrayal or choose to project their stuff onto me or onto you, it's really their issue because healthy people 
don't do that. And, but I do want to say, knowing that doesn't mean that it won't happen. The, the people that you helped the most, the people that were closest to you, disappointing you. Anybody ever been disappointed with somebody? Come on. And, and so here's David. Not only is like everything's taken away, it's all burned up, but now his crew, his team, his posse, his guys, they're turning on him. And I want to say to you that it's going to happen, but you can't let that shut your heart down and stop you from loving people and helping people. Because that's your job assignment, actually. Yeah. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yeah, Lord, you know I do. He said, well, then feed my sheep. Three times. Three times Jesus says this to Peter. And I always have thought it was interesting that Jesus didn't say, Peter, do you love my sheep? He said, if you love me, then take care of my sheep. That I'm actually having to draw on another source to keep on loving people. Because if we stop loving people, it's over. So he's, he's been waiting forever. He's had everything taken in a day, it seems. Everybody that's supposed to be helping him, working with him, has turned on him. So what does he do? The Bible says David cries and then pauses and says, I'm going to strengthen myself in God. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. And let me say, people can and should encourage you, but there's a piece of encouragement that only you can have, that you, only you can handle. In other words, if I'm trying to speak words of encouragement to somebody who's got discouragement lodged in their heart, I'm not going to be able to take them anywhere. There's something about us having to go, I'm going to stop and I'm going to encourage myself. His circumstances were not encouraging, but his God, he could find encouragement in. The leader is always the person who can encourage themselves when everyone else is discouraged. Because if David would have stayed distressed and stayed discouraged and stayed disappointed and somebody else had risen up and encouraged themselves in God and said, come on guys, I see the future. I see, I see the way out. I see what we need to do next. That person would have now become the leader. Hey, dads, husbands, you got to shake disappointment off. 
lead your family into the things of God. And I think he probably started singing one of these songs. Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's easy for a lot of other stuff to be in your mouth when you're disappointed. My soul will make its boast in the Lord the humble will hear and rejoice. All magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I love this because David is moving to this spot. He's saying, I'm going to make sure the right things are in my mouth. Because the Bible is clear. Your words guide your life. Right? The book of James says your tongue's like a rudder. Your, your words are like a bit in the, in the mouth of a horse. And, and to get this idea, I choose, I don't feel it, but I'm choosing to glorify God. I'm choosing to declare the promise of God. I will stand on His promise. I'm not going to let my circumstances be in my mouth. I'm going to let the worship of God be in my mouth. I'm going to magnify God and not my issues. Come on, make God big. <laughs> not your troubles. His praise, not my issues. Come on. This applies to how you post on Facebook. applies to your conversations, definitely applies to your self-talk. Circumstances always come to pass. God's goodness endures forever. God's faithfulness to His promise endures forever. I think one of the greatest things you can do for your own heart, stop magnifying your problems start magnifying your God come on stay stay focused come on on God a couple more verses and then we're going to pray together Psalm 34 picking up verse 4 I sought the Lord he answered me he delivered me all of my fears. I looked to him, was radiant. I'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Anybody believe the Bible? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, rescues them. Our God rescues. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Hey, I want to say to you, I've lived long enough to know this. Success in life comes from the goodness of God. 
and not your own goodness. If I could encourage you to let your heart find refuge in a God who is for you and a God who will work it out for you, you're going to move past your zigzag into your greatest season ever. Anybody believe that? Come on. I, I want to pray today. W would, you, would you just join with me for a moment? Bow your heads, close your eyes. First, I just want to pray for all of us, and then I want to give us an opportunity to surrender to Jesus. Lord, I'm praying for every person in this room. We have all had our day of disappointment, our season where it seemed like the enemy was winning. But I believe that today you are helping us to not get stuck. You are healing our hearts so that we will keep loving you, keep loving life, keep loving those around us and that we are going to step in to a brighter day. We trust you for it. Holy Spirit, go way beyond the words that I've said today and breathe fresh hope into every person in this room. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want to take a moment Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And I'm not talking about you getting your act together. I'm talking about would you surrender to his love. Maybe you are realizing, I can't do this on my own. I need my life in the hands of God. I, I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here in this room and you could point back to a day when you used to be close to God, but you know you're not there now. You know you're not where you want to be, where you could be, where you should be. And you know it's time for you to wholeheartedly come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand with the Lord. But I just want to, I don't want anybody to leave this room today without a strong confidence since my life is in the hands of a good God. If you say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to surrender to Jesus, maybe for the first time. I want to come back to him. I want to know for sure. We just include me in this prayer. Nobody's looking around, but I want to pray with you. We just lift your hand real high and say, that's me. And maybe let God know. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, all over the room. You just say, yes, I, I need my life in the hands of Jesus. I need my life in the hands of God. I need God. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. All over the room. Thank you. We love you guys. Again, I just want to remind you this not, we're not asking you to get your act together. That's going to be a lifelong journey. But there is a moment of surrender. There is a moment of saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. It starts at all. Anybody else? Thank you. Come on, let's pray together. 
It's for everybody around the room that lifted their hand mainly, but I'd love for us all just to lean into this. Say it with me. Say it boldly. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.